thanks for tuning in this week to Cross Connection Church Houston. We're a small church plant located in the Pasadena area. It is our mission to save the lost, to equip the saved, to serve both the lost and the saved, and finally to send the equipped. To this end, we teach through the Bible on a verse-by-verse basis, starting from the beginning of a book and working our way through all the way till the end. It is our prayer that you would grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ through his word. Well, several different people in our church have been on short-term and long-term mission trips. And uh, on Thursday, our church is going to be sending our first international mission trip led by our church. And so I thought today would be a a great day to do a teaching on missions and uh, just kind of follow that time with the time to pray for the team that's going to be going out in a couple days on our trip. And, you know, missions is a a huge priority to myself personally. It's a a huge priority to us as a church. And I want you to understand our view on missions. And so this morning, I'm going to answer six important questions so that we can all be on the same page as to uh, what we're looking at here. First, what is missions? Uh, Second, who is called to be a missionary? Third, where do we do missions? Fourth, why do we do missions? Fifth, who empowers us to do missions? And then sixth, what opportunities are there in our church for missions? And my desire is after I answer these six questions that uh, you know, you'd have a good grasp of where we're coming from, uh, what missions is, and hopefully uh, really want to be a part of this wonderful ministry. So first we're going to look at one of the most important questions we can ask uh, concerning missions, and that's the question of what is Missions. Now, there are several different definitions, different ideas in the church world uh, about what missions is. So I think it's very important for us to understand how we are defining it, what we feel it encompasses, uh, so that you are on the same page with us, but also recognize how you define missions, what you feel it encompasses will definitely impact, you know, uh, your view of it, will impact, you know, where you feel it should be done, will impact where you feel, uh, who you feel should be a part of it. So um, the English word missions that we use in the church, it comes from uh, the Latin word missio, which means to send or be sent. The idea behind this word is to be sent on a mission by God. Now, the word missions or missionary, you're not going to find them uh, in the Bible, but the concept of being sent by God is something that we see throughout scriptures. We saw it by Jesus himself. If you remember, he sends out the 12, and, and the purpose of sending out the 12, he sends them out to the nation of Israel uh, and you know to take care of both the physical needs through healing and the spiritual needs through preaching and through casting out demons. And then we see again at a different time that Jesus sends out 70 of his followers to do the same thing, to take care of people's physical and spiritual needs. And then as we come to the book of Acts, we see the Holy Spirit sending out Paul and Barnabas to do the same thing, but now not in the context of ministering to Jews in Israel, but to go to the rest of the world and impact the Gentile world and to go out and meet physical needs through healings and to meet spiritual needs through sharing the gospel and through casting out demons. And so um, in the Bible, we see people being sent by God to their own country and their own culture. And we see people being sent by God to another country and to another culture. 
But the most famous biblical example concerning the concept of missions or being sent out by God on a mission is, is a passage that I'm sure most of you are familiar with. We call it the Great Commission. Right before Jesus ascended back into heaven, he gave a very important command to all those who were following him and who would follow him in the future. And Matthew and Luke share with us this great commission. Matthew 28, 18-20 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. In Luke 24, 47, Jesus says, Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So here we see this important command of Jesus to go into all the world to preach the gospel and to make disciples of people. So Jesus wants us to share the gospel with those who are lost, who don't know the good news of what Jesus has done. And then he wants us to disciple those who accept the gospel, who get saved, and he wants us to invest in them. And so uh, they will grow. This is why the first two parts of our church vision here is first to save the lost and then to equip the saved. Because we see this is two of the main things that Jesus wants us as the body of Christ to be doing. Now, in order to fulfill the command to go into all the world and preach the gospel, that means preaching the gospel, making disciples in your own country, uh, to your own culture, and it means going beyond that to another country and another culture in order to do that to all the world. So within the church world, missions and, and missionaries, you know, have different definitions. And, you know, many people have the concept of missionaries or missions and would define it basically like this. Uh, missionaries are Christians who travel to another country and to another culture in order to share the gospel, make disciples and minister to another people. Now, I would agree that people who go to another culture, people who go to another country to share the gospel, to make disciples, are missionaries. We see that with Paul and Barnabas. They went to other cultures. They went to other countries than their own to reach people with the gospel, to make disciples. But I want to clarify that that is not the only people who are missionaries. I don't believe you have to go to another country or another culture to be a missionary. If you're obeying God's command to preach the gospel and make disciples, then you are a missionary wherever you're at, whether it's in your own culture or whether it's in another person's culture, whether it's in your own country or whether it's in another country. We see that clearly with the 12 disciples, with the, the 70 followers of Jesus. He sent them to their own country, to their own culture, to their own neighbors to reach them with the gospel and to minister to them. And we see this clearly with the Great Commission, that we go to all the world and preach the gospel. Guess what? All the world is not just another country or another culture that includes our own country and our own culture and our own neighbors. It's been said that missions is not about crossing an ocean. It's about bringing people to the cross. And I agree, agree with that statement. I think too often we think missions is crossing the ocean, going to some foreign land and doing ministry there. But really what missions is, is bringing lost people to the cross of Jesus Christ, sharing the gospel with them. 
So missions is not just about going to another country or another culture. It's sharing Jesus wherever you're at. You know, I was just as much a missionary when I lived in California as I was when I went to Scotland. Now, when I went to Scotland, people referred to me as a missionary. They thought of me as a missionary. Why? Because I was in another culture than my own. But I preached the gospel. I made disciples when I was in California. I reached out to family and friends and neighbors and you know people in the culture there. So I was just as much a missionary in California as I was when I moved to Scotland and I started preaching the gospel in Scotland and making disciples in Scotland. And you know what? I'm just as much a missionary now here in Texas as I was in Scotland because I'm doing the same thing, trying to preach the gospel and make disciples where I'm at. So Jesus gave this command to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and he gave it to everybody, everyone who would believe in him and follow him. So wherever you are, whether it's in your culture or whether it's in another culture, God wants you to be a missionary. God wants you to reach the people that he's placed around you, to reach the people that are in your life with the gospel. So we need to recognize there is a mission field right outside these doors. There are people that are right around here, right around your house, in your work, in your you know, neighborhood, maybe for some of you in your own home with a spouse or kids who don't know Jesus, who are lost, who need the gospel, who need someone like us to come and share it with them. Perhaps it would be a good reminder, I know some churches put a sign like this right before leaving the parking lot, you are now entering the mission field. And I think that's just a good reminder to recognize, hey, we are the church, and everywhere that we go is the mission field. In our work, in the culture, whether we travel to Uganda, whether we stay right here, we all should be seeking to do mission work to reach people with the gospel and to make disciples. So here in our church, I want you to be clear, we're not limiting missions to just another culture or just another country. Missions is for every one of us right where we live. So in our vision for missions, we are defining missions this way. Missions is obeying God's command to go into all the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples wherever you are. The wherever you are is the key. Make sure you, you grasp that. We're all called to do it, and wherever God has you, you and I should be doing it. So the first question that I've answered is, what is mission? The second question I'm going to answer is, who is called to be a missionary? Now, as you recognize, you probably already have the answer of this in your mind because of how I defined what missions is. Since our vision for missions, we don't see missions as just something a few people do who travel to another country or travel to another culture, but it's for everyone who is a believer in Jesus. Everyone has been called to preach the gospel. Everyone has been called to make disciples. And unfortunately, we're so often willing and even saying, I will pray and support you to go to another country and do it, but I won't do it in the country that I live, and I won't do it to the people that are around me, and we miss the reality. It's not for a few to go do it somewhere else. It's for all of us to do it where we're at. So who is called to be a missionary? Every Christian is. We should all obey the command of Jesus to go into the world to preach the gospel and to make disciples, and it starts right where you're at. You know, the missionary life, 
You know, so often I was referred to that in Scotland, but you know, I think the reality of the life that says, I want to pursue reaching people with the gospel. I want to pursue helping people grow in their relationship with Jesus, discipling them when they get saved. That is the most amazing thing to do in life. I mean, I don't think there's anything more rewarding than getting to sit with someone and watch someone's eternity change, someone accept the gospel because you were bold enough to share it with them and just see their life forever change because they now have accepted Jesus. But something just as thrilling is to watch someone who has done that now grow in their relationship with Jesus and be used by God and and to be able to do great things for God and that you played a small part in that and God was able to use you within that. And it's such an amazing thing to be a part of and to to see God work. And you know, for, for 23 years of my life now, I've been focused on that reality of, Lord, I will preach the gospel. I will seek to make disciples. And it's just been a wonderful thing to see how God has been able to use me, which has blown me away and worked through me to impact the lives of others. And there's nothing more adventurous and exciting than that, to just be obedient to the Lord's command and to do that wherever you are and just to watch how he'll use you and watch how he'll work in your life. And I think something else important to understand is if you're not someone who has a heart for people who are lost, if you don't have a heart for preaching the gospel, if you don't have that desire for discipling people where you are, you're not going to have it just because you move to another country. You're not going to have it just because you move to another culture. If you're not willing to do it where you are, don't think you're going to be willing to do it just because you move, you know, proximity of your life to some other place. When I was ministering in Scotland, we would come back to the States every year. I'd get to share with churches. I get to share sometimes at Bible colleges just to share what the Lord's doing and also opportunity for people to come. And I'd always get people interested in Scotland and, and I, you know, they'd, they'd ask me about opportunities and things. And, and one of the first questions I would ask them if people were sincerely interested in wanting to come is how are you serving right now? Who are you reaching out to right now? Who are you trying to share the gospel with? Who are you discipling? And I remember one specific gentleman who I had high hopes for. He was about to graduate Bible college, and he's, I'm so interested in being a missionary, and I feel God calling me to Scotland, and he gives me this whole story, and I'm thinking, hey, that sounds great. You know, we could really use you. And then I asked him these questions, and his response was, oh, I'm not doing any of that. I'm not sharing the gospel with anyone. I'm not discipling anyone. I'm not ministering to anyone. I'm waiting to get on the mission field, and then I'll do it. And you laugh, but that, he was sincere. Like, oh, I'm just waiting, and then I'm going to do all these things. Well, I told that, guys, two important things. First, if you're not willing to serve people right where you're at, nothing's going to change. I was like, you know what, you're going to move over to Scotland with us, and you're not going to do anything, just like you don't do anything here. Why do you think it's going to change? Why do you think you're going to have a heart for the gospel, a heart for people, a heart to disciple, if you're not doing it here? What do you think is going to change in Scotland? I'll tell you, it's going to be harder, it's going to be a different culture, it's going to be more difficult, so you're even less likely to actually do these things, so nothing's going to change. And the second thing I told him is, you're already on the mission field right now. So why don't you start doing the work of a missionary and quit thinking that, oh, when I travel somewhere else, then I'll start reaching out to people. 
Well, needless to say, I did not invite him to minister with us in Scotland because he wasn't doing anything where he was. He totally missed the reality that he was called to share with people right where he was. You know, every international missionary I know, and I know a lot of them, and I've read you know, a lot of biographies of them, you'll see something that's the same with almost all of them. They were faithful to be missionaries where they were before God sent them to another culture. I haven't read of anyone who's like, I did absolutely nothing in my own culture, and then God called me to do this amazing work in some other culture. No, it's always, I was faithful where I was. I was faithful to preach the gospel. I was faithful to minister to people. I was faithful to serve the Lord. And then as I was faithful to do that, God called me and said, you know what? I'm going to take you now from your culture and send you to this one and to reach out to this people. And because the reality is it's harder to go into another culture. It's harder to be removed from what you're familiar with and your supports and your family and go somewhere else. And so God takes those who are the faithful ones, who are the mature ones, and he sends them out to minister in this other capacity. But always I recognize, hey, it comes from people who have been faithful first where they are, and then the Lord moves them to another place. You know, when I was in Scotland, we had a lot of mission teams come, maybe sometimes more in the summer than we probably should have. But when I was first there, I was just like, the more the merrier, let's just try to reach this place. And we'd have team after team after team. And the one thing that was always so very obvious was people who were coming who were ministering where they were from and people who were coming who didn't do any ministry where they were come. The people who ministered and preached the gospel and did those things where they were before coming to Scotland, man, they hit the ground running. They were a huge blessing. They were able just to do what we desired to do. They got right and plugged into the ministry we're doing. You know the other people did who didn't do any ministry? Hey, can we see this castle? Hey, where can we go see and, and sightsee today? It was just like, this is a tourist thing. This isn't a ministry thing because they didn't minister before, so why minister now? I just want to come to Scotland because it's a cool place to see. And you totally saw the drastic difference between those who actually ministered where they came from versus those who did not. And those who did were a blessing, and those who didn't were more of a drain uh, than anything else. And so please understand, God has called every believer to go into all the world and make disciples wherever you are. All of us are called to do that. That brings us to the third question, where do we do missions? Now, we've already noted what Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But you'll notice in the book of Acts that there is a process in which the early church follows. And I think it's a great process, a great example uh, to us as we seek to answer this call of God to go into the world and preach the gospel. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we're told this. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, notice the process here that Jesus says. You're going to be witnesses of me. You're going to go out and you're going to proclaim the gospel. You're going to make disciples. But it's going to start in Jerusalem, where you are, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Israel's geography, here's a map of Israel to help you understand what Jesus is saying there. Jerusalem, that's where they were. 
When Jesus was speaking to them, they were in Jerusalem. He says, it's going to start right here, right where you are. That's where you're going to start ministering. That's where you're going to start preaching the gospel. That's when you're going to start serving me right here. And then you're going to go beyond that. Beyond Jerusalem is in the region of Judea, which you see there in orange. And so now you're going to go outside of that city where you start, and you're going to start reaching people beyond that. And then he says, after that, you're going to go and be witnesses in Samaria, which is the the town or or, uh, region that bordered Judea. And then finally, he says, after your witnesses in Samaria, you are to go to the ends of the earth. Now, if you remember in the book of Acts, that is the pattern that we saw. In chapters 1 through 7, we see people preaching the gospel, making disciples in Jerusalem, right where they were at. And then in verses chapters 8 through 14, we see them sending people to Judea, to Samaria, to reach people with the gospel, make disciples there. And then finally, in Acts 15, uh, chapters 15 through 23, we see them sending out people to the ends of the earth, to reach people with the gospel, and to make disciples. So the process that Jesus gives uh, for being a missionary is it starts wherever you're at. For the disciples, it was Jerusalem. For us, it's Pasadena. Our church is located here, so this should be our starting point. This is the city that we should be first and foremost focused on. Then you start preaching the gospel and making disciples in the next area near you. For them, it was Judea. For us, it would be Texas. Then you preach the gospel and make disciples to the area closest to that. For them, it was Samaria. We have states around us like Oklahoma, New Mexico, Arkansas, Louisiana. We even have Mexico not far from us. And then you finish it by going to the ends of the earth. So the answer to the question, where do we do missions? Well, the answer to that is it starts where we are and then move outward to the ends of the earth. Starts where you are, do it where you are. God's called you to preach the gospel, make disciples where you are. And as you're faithful to do that, he'll start moving you out. Sometimes he keeps you right where you are. Other times as you start sending people to be more of an impact in the world. So the fourth question I'm going to answer is why? Why should we do missions. Why should we make it a priority in our lives? Why should this be something that we say, yes, I want to be a part of this. Yes, I I want my life to be connected to this and, and, and make this something that I regularly do. Well, there's a lot of why answers that we could give. Probably the most important one is because God has commanded us to do it. If you want to be obedient to God, guess what? He says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. One of the best reasons why you and I should be missionaries, why we should take this command seriously, is because that's exactly what it was, a command. It wasn't a suggestion. And I think too often, we approach this like it was. Like Jesus is saying, you know what, guys? If you're not too busy, it'd be nice if every now and then you might share the gospel with someone and make disciples. You know, if your life isn't kind of too full of other things, but you know, maybe here and now you, you could preach the gospel and make disciples. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't a plea. It was a command. Go and do it. I'm commanding you to do it. You want to be obedient to me as God? Then this is one of the areas in which I want you to obey. You know, we call this the Great Commission, something that all believers should obey. But sadly, for many believers, it's the Great Omission, something that they have 
disobeyed, something that they don't even consider as something that they should be doing with their life at all because they think, oh, that's just for people in full-time ministry, or that's just for those missionaries who travel to another country, or that's for someone else. It's not for me. I'll leave that to other people to do, and you know that's not something that I'm called to do. That's not true. All of us are called to preach the gospel and make disciples. So the first reason we should do it, which really should be the only one we need, God tells us to. He commands it. But I'll give you another one. The second reason why we should do missions is because missions is a priority to God. You know, you look at the heart of God. He is a God who has a heart for people who are lost. He's a guy who, God who desires that people would come to repentance. We're told that he desires that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God has a missionary heart for people who are lost. And you know what? He made it a priority in his life. Well, how do we know it? Because his actions demonstrate that was a priority to him. The most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God demonstrates missions is a priority to me by action. He says, you know what? I am going to leave the throne of heaven and come to earth to reach mankind, to give my life for them. I'm willing to do that because I love them. I'm willing to do that because I want to reach them. God has a missions heart. You Aren't you glad in the Garden of Gethsemane we are a priority to Jesus? As he's there and he's saying, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. And that's what he's telling God. You know, if there's another way to save mankind besides me getting beaten and crucified on a cross and taking the sin of the world, if there's another way, let's do that. What if Jesus had said, you know what, God, (laughs) Father, they're not that big of a priority to me. I'm not going through this for them. I'm not going to suffer through this for them. Aren't you glad that we were priority, and that God demonstrated that in his actions. And this is why Jesus calls us. That's why his last command to us was to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. Why? Because he wants us to have the same priority as he does. He wants to reach this world, and he's chosen to use us as his mouthpiece. He's chosen to use us as those who would go and be a part of reaching the world for him. He has this priority, and he wants us to as well. Oftentimes we say, I want to be more like God. Well, great. Here's one specific way you can do it. Be a missionary. Be someone who puts the focus on sharing the gospel and making disciples as a priority in your life, just like God does. The third reason why we should do missions is because missions is the main thing God uses to reach people with the gospel. You know, I've, I've thought of this many times of how God could have chosen to reach people with the gospel, and in my perspective, maybe in more effective ways. But you know what he's chosen? He's chosen to use you, and he's chosen to use me. I think, why don't you use angels? Why don't you paint it in the sky? Why don't you just have this audible voice shout out to people and tell them what's going on? I mean, I think that there'd be a lot of things that would probably be more effective than us because we so often don't do it very well, but God says, no, I want to use my followers. I want to use those who believe in me. And so I am going to call you and command you to go out and proclaim the good news of the gospel on my 
behalf. It's the main thing that God uses to reach people. He uses you. He uses me. Romans 10, 14 and 15 tells us this. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You know, this verse brings up just the reality of things. How are people going to know about who Jesus is, about the fact that they're sinners, about the fact that they need to place their trust in him to be forgiven of their sins, unless someone goes and tells them? How are they ever going to know unless the person who has the good news of the gospel shows up and says, hey, I have to tell you this good news of what Jesus has done. This is what this verse is saying is, how are they going to know unless someone comes and tells them and preaches it to them? And how are people going to go preach unless they're sent? And this is why it's so amazing as churches and we get to send people, like we're sending this team to Uganda to a place where there's so many who haven't heard the good news and we're sending them for the purpose of we want to be those who come and proclaim the good news to you. God has chosen to use us. Why should we do missions? Because people's eternity is at stake. And you and I have been called by God to be those who share the one message that can change their eternal life. There's only one. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God unto salvation. There's no other message that saves people. It's only the gospel that has the power to save. And so that should be the thing that we say, if I'm going to say anything to anyone, if I'm going to proclaim any message, this is the most important for those who don't know Christ, because it's the only thing that's going to save them. There are many more reasons why we could do missions, but I think hopefully these are enough motivation. God commands us. It's a priority to Him, and it's the main thing He uses to reach people with the gospel. So we've answered four questions. What is missions? Who's called to be a missionary? Where do we do missions? Why should we do missions? And I hope you're starting to understand something that I really want to communicate. God wants to be to use you to accomplish missions. God wants you to be a part of the process of reaching people with the gospel, of making disciples. He wants that to be a priority in your life. Well, if preaching the gospel is a priority, if making disciples is a priority, this next question and the answer to it is going to be very important for you to pay attention to. The fifth question is, who empowers missions? Who's the one who empowers us? Who's the one who equips us? Who's the one who enables us to do what God has called us to do and go into the world and preach the gospel and make disciples? The answer to this question is very important because the mission we have been sent by God on is truly impossible. You know, we watch the movies, Mission Impossible, but they always do it. So it's not Mission Impossible, it's like Mission Hard. God has given us truly Mission Impossible because without Him, we cannot accomplish what He's called us to do. Luke 24, 
Verse 46 through 49 says, Then Jesus said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now, we looked at verse 47 a little earlier because it's connected with the Great Commission in Matthew 28, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. But Jesus says something here in verse 49 that is so important to understand. As God calls us to this impossible task, he then reveals to us how he is going to make it possible for us to obey that command. But before we look at that, I want you to ponder something. Have you ever stopped to consider the task that God is placing before the disciples and also the timing in which he is telling them? Jesus tells the disciples, I want you to reach the whole world with the gospel, which is very much an impossible task. When I just think of reaching Pasadena with the gospel, it's a daunting reality. I'm thinking there's only 150,000 people here in Pasadena. The world has billions. The concept of trying to reach the world with the gospel is an impossible task. But you know what? I find the timing of everything very significant. Not too long before Jesus says this, I'm confident that if he would have told the disciples, go preach the gospel to all the world, they would have said, yeah, we can handle that, Jesus. We can do this. Because that's something that we saw in the disciples. They, they were prideful. They, they thought much more highly of themselves and their ability than they should. If you remember the night before Jesus is crucified, they all say, we would die for you, Jesus. And then when push comes to shove, Peter denies him three times. All the other disciples abandon him. And they come to an important reality that they weren't as strong as they thought they were. That they weren't as capable as they thought they were. That they couldn't do as much as they thought they could. The disciples now recognize their weaknesses. They now recognize their failures. And it's at this time that Jesus says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples. You know, Jesus loves to use people who recognize their weaknesses. He loves to use the weak, as the Bible says, to confound the wise. What Jesus often avoids using are people who don't think they're weak, who people who think they can do it all on their own, in their own strength, they can do it, they can accomplish it, I don't need you, God, I got it under control. Those are the people that Jesus kind of puts on the shelf and says, until you recognize you don't have anything and it's all me, then I can't use you. Now, Jesus calls really a group of failures. We went through the Gospel of Luke. I'm sure you've read through the Gospel. You recognize, man, these guys failed a lot. They were full of sinful tendencies and actions. And you might think, wait a second, Jesus, are you sure these disciples are the best men for the job? I mean, remember, just a few days ago, they're the ones who denied you. They're the ones who abandoned you. I mean, Peter denied you to a little servant girl. Do you actually think he's going to stand up for you when the religious leaders come to kill him? I mean, you could come to this conclusion that you're making a mistake. Why do you think these guys are going to be willing to proclaim you to a world that hates you when they weren't willing to stand with you at the last 
day of your life. From what we've seen from these disciples, it would be easy to conclude, hey, they're not going to cut it. The biggest task anyone could possibly receive, and they don't have what it takes. You know, a great question to ponder is how could these men who are weak, who have failed, who have denied Jesus, who have all sorts of problems, reach the world with the gospel? And I want us to ponder this question because it's so vital to our lives today. Because just like the disciples, we're weak. Just like the disciples, we're failures. Just like the disciples, many of us have denied Jesus. We have problems. We have sin issues. If we look at our lives, so often we give the disciples a hard time. But the reality is, if we're true to ourselves and and real with ourselves, we're just like them. And so when we pose this question of, of how could these guys, with all these issues, reach the world with the gospel, we really need to ask that question for ourselves as well, because we've been called with the same task, and we have the same problems. We also are weak and failures and sinners and have all sorts of issues. And so how is it that we can be faithful to accomplish this task that seems so impossible that God has not only called them, but us to do? Well, that brings us to verse 49. The most important thing for us to understand, because as we start to ask these questions, we start to think, there's no way we could be a part of this. But there is a way. Jesus says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. I want you to know something here. Jesus commands the disciples this impossible command, go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples. But right after that command, he gives them another command. The next command is, before you go and do what I've just commanded you to do, go to Jerusalem and wait. And the thing that you're waiting for is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is something that Acts chapter 1 reiterates as Luke writes both of them. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus says, hey, you got to wait. Before you go and try to accomplish this impossible task, wait in Jerusalem for the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's going to come upon you and enable you to be my witness. He's going to enable you to preach the gospel. He's going to enable you to go out and follow the command that I have given you. So the answer to the question, how could these men who are weak, who have failed, who have denied Jesus, who have all sorts of problems just like we do, how could they fulfill this command and to go into the world and preach the gospel and make disciples? The only reason they could fulfill such a command is because God is going to empower them with the Holy Spirit to accomplish that task. This is why Jesus tells them, go, but first, wait. Because you can't accomplish what I'm commanding you to do until you have what I'm about to send. The Spirit of God is going to empower you to do what I've called you to do. You see, by themselves, these men were ordinary, but when empowered by the Holy Spirit, they became extraordinary. They became capable of doing something that before they were incapable of doing. 
And this is an amazing thing. I love the beginning of Acts and really all of Acts, but you see how Luke ends with all this failure, and especially Peter, who denies Jesus three times, and then all of a sudden he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And what's the first thing that Peter, who denied Jesus three times, does? He preached the gospel message for the first time, and we see 3,000 people get saved. It's just an amazing thing that God does. Something important to remember is that God will never command you to do something. He won't give you the power to accomplish. And I think that's something that we fail to understand of, Lord, you don't understand how difficult this command is. I could never accomplish it. That's true. In and of yourself, you don't have the ability. In and of yourself, you can't do it. You don't have the strength. And this is why we have to come to this recognition that, yes, I am just like the disciples. I'm weak. I'm a failure. I'm a sinner in and of myself. I have no capacity to do what God has called me to do. But yet, the Holy Spirit dwells within me. Yet, God can empower me. Yet, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so I do have the power in Christ and His Spirit who dwells within me. I don't have it in myself, but I have it in Him. And so there's no excuse to say, oh, I can't preach the gospel to this person. Well, yes, I can. If I'm depending on myself, no. If I'm depending on the Spirit within me, yes. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. He will empower us. He will give us what we need to accomplish the tasks that He has called us to do. So the answer to the question, who empowers missions, the Holy Spirit does. It's not that we muster up some great strength. It's not that, oh, I really now want to have a a greater love and I'm going to reach people. The way that we do it is to put our complete dependence and reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we see in the book of Acts. We see them fearful, and they should have been fearful. People are beaten, people are in prison, people are killed, and they're like, I don't know if I want to go say this message again today. And they get together and they pray, and we're told, and the Spirit of God gives them boldness. And all of a sudden, they have this supernatural boldness to keep proclaiming the good news, even in the midst of persecution. And the same is true for us. We're going to come to those times when we're fearful, when we feel like, I can't do it, I don't want to do it, and just pray, Lord, give me the boldness, give me the strength, give me what I need to be faithful, to fulfill what you've called me to do, to preach the gospel and make disciples. Well, this leads to our final question. What opportunities are there in our church for missions? Well, since we're following the pattern of Acts of starting where we are in our Jerusalem and then moving outward, you know, the first opportunities are right here. And so often we think, oh, missions, you know, hey, Uganda, that's missions. Well, yes, it is. But so is the stuff that we do here when we go to the park and we reach out to our own culture. And and it's those things that actually prepare us to be more effective if the Lord leads us to go beyond our culture to another place. And so, you know, we do this every month. And so I would encourage you, hey, you want to join others and get to proclaim the gospel uh, with others and be a part of what we're doing. We'd love for you to come out and do that. But I want you to recognize being a mission is not something that you just do when there's an organized event. Okay, I'll go when you know, we have this outreach to the park and I'll preach the gospel then, but you know, for the rest of the month, I'll just be quiet and not say anything to anyone. No, God has placed people in your life, maybe in your home, in your work, in your school, in your neighborhood, 
And he wants you to be his mouthpiece to them. He wants you to be a witness and a light and to share the gospel with those people that he has placed in your sphere of influence because the reality is you have people in your sphere of influence that I can't reach because I'm not, I'm not connected with them. I don't have any way to talk with them, but you do, and God wants you to reach the people that you have there. Now, there's opportunities, <coughs> excuse me, here, give me the water. <coughs> Thank you. So we have domestic opportunities. We also have international opportunities. Um, you know, we're planning at least a, a trip a year like we're doing this year to, to go to Uganda where we're going to be gathering people in our church and leading that and going. But, you know, there's other opportunities, even if you miss that or we're not doing that when you're able to go. Uh, we've had people in our church who have gone on international missions with other groups that are great groups that you can get a part, uh, be a part of. Uh, both Robert and Savannah have been with a group called Pottersfield Ministries. You can do short-term and long-term mission uh, group, uh, mission stuff with them, and so um, that's a great uh, group to get connected with. Mariah and Excel, Excel right now is still with uh, Global Encounters in Ecuador. Um, you know, these are, are groups, there's many of them, this is two of people in our church who've been connected with it, so, you know, you don't just have to say, well, I'm just going to wait to that one time when our team goes, oh, wait, I can't get off work, and well, there's other opportunities if you feel like the Lord wants you to go internationally for a short term or long term, uh, but I would encourage you, always be ministering right where we are as well. But maybe you think, you know, maybe I just feel like I'm a bit older or I just don't feel like I can get and do that. You know, is there a way that I could support some of this international work or some of this domestic work without always being there physically present? Yeah, you can pray, <laughs> which is a huge thing, and you can also financially support because, you know, especially international missionaries, we've had two in the last few months come through our church and share. Uh, if you remember the Loiza family in Sterling, Scotland, and the Madrano family in Plymouth, England, you know, they're there. I know from being over there, it's an expensive culture. And so, you know, they can use financial support. You can be a part of helping them minister there by helping them stay there, by giving to them uh, on a consistent basis. And so there's that practical reality of you can pray for people, you can financially support people. Hey, a lot of you gave to the uh, Uganda team, and, and that was such a huge blessing. You financially gave to us so that we could get to Uganda uh, in the next few days. And so, you know, there are opportunities um, in, in that regard as well. And so, you know, what are the opportunities? There, there's many, and hopefully there will be many more uh, as we continue to grow and as the Lord continues to open up doors to different places, uh, because we desire to reach out here, but also beyond here. We don't just want to minister you know, where we're at. We also want to say, Lord, we'd love to send people and support people and, and get the gospel out and reach beyond just where we are as well. Uh, and so, you know, hopefully... The answers to these six questions, you know, helps you understand what missions is, where, how we're approaching missions, that God has called you to be a missionary, to preach the gospel, to make disciples wherever you're at, that this should be a priority to you because it's a priority to God and he desires to use you in this capacity to reach people with the gospel. But understand, you can't do it in your strength. You can't do it by yourself. It's something that you have to depend upon the Holy Spirit to enable you and empower you to do it. Henry Martin, a great missionary to India in 
Persia or now modern day Iran, he said this, the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we become. You know, if you're thinking right now, I want a greater heart for missions. I don't have the heart that I know I should, and I want to grow in that. I love this reality because the greatest missionary ever was Jesus. You spend time with him, it's something that is going to be a natural reality that you're going to start to love people more. You're going to start to want to reach people more. You're going to want to share the gospel more. It is something that comes as you spend time with Jesus. And one of the greatest things to change your heart for missions is to regularly spend time with the one who has that. That heart and will start to give you that heart as you consistently spend time with him and pray, Lord, I want to have your heart for people. Well, this Thursday, it's finally coming. In a few more days, our Uganda team is going to be heading over, and it's just a lot of wonderful opportunities that we have as we get there to preach the gospel and reach people for eternity. And so I'd like to Just take some time as we finish praying for the team that's going, praying for the church there, praying for the people who that we're going to impact and and get an opportunity to share the gospel with. But before we even do that, I just want to give God thanks and praise for what he has provided for us to actually do this. I mean, a few months ago, I started doing the math as Jaime and I were, you know, looking at this, and each person needed to raise $3,750, and you think, oh, that's a lot of money, but then you start putting it together, and you think, that's a real lot of money, and, you know, God has raised over $57,000 in a few months. I mean, that's amazing, and, and we think, wow, I mean, Look at what God's able to do. And so often we kind of, you know, we don't recognize how he is able to provide and what he's able to do. And that is a huge amount of money in a very short amount of time that the Lord provided so that our team can go and minister in Uganda. And so uh, I hope that encourages you. But, you know, why don't we do this? Everybody who's going to go to Uganda, why don't you go ahead and stand up? And don't be shy. I'm going to ask those who are around them, and if no one's up here, maybe some of you can come, and let's just lay hands on the team uh, and pray for them, and, you know, we're just going to leave it open for a little bit of time. Anybody who wants to pray, if you're around someone, I encourage you to lay hands on them, and if you want to pray aloud, I encourage you to do that, uh, and we'll just have some time to pray. You can pray for our team. You can pray for the team that's over there that's going to be translating and helping us. You can pray for the people that we're going to reach out to, but let's just take some time to uh, just lift this up in prayer, ask the Lord to minister, and then I'll close us in prayer.